0: Hi, friends, and welcome to Consortio Day. This is a podcast about partnering with God to do sacred work. My name is John Chandler, and I'm a spiritual director. And my practice is focused on walking alongside individuals or teams who do sacred work to cultivate spiritual practices, soul care, and relational support. And so this podcast is a companion to my spiritual direction practice where I interview people who are doing the kind of work that I like to focus with people on and pursuing some kind of calling, pursuing some kind of vocation and exploring how they partner with God to do that sacred work, that holy work. Today, my guest is Waylon Lee. Waylon is a a longtime friend, actually, and you'll certainly pick up on this in a podcast, in this podcast, but he is a pastor at Vox Vignet, which is a contemplative and liturgical church community in East Austin. And I just, I really enjoyed this conversation. I loved it a lot. I I actually reached out to Waylon because it was a good excuse to catch up. But I also, uh, along the way, discovered that he was in the middle of when I first reached out to him, actually, he was preparing for his second sabbatical and asked me to hold off until he was back, which I think just led to a very rich conversation about the value of sabbatical. So that's something that we will be talking about a lot on this one, but some of his day-to-day practices as well. So I hope you love this conversation as much as I do. I found myself thinking about this conversation for a couple of days after and mulling over some of the things that Wayland had said, and I hope that's the case for you as well. One or two things I want to let you know about. I, again, I am a spiritual director, and I do have space to take on other directees, especially hoping to make a little more space as we move into the new year. And so, uh, I'd love to talk with you. If you're interested in about that, you can reach out. There's a link in the show notes for the podcast back to my website where you can reach out and contact me. But the other thing I have going on that I'm very excited about is I'm doing just some small cohorts around... Different spiritual formation practices, and we are just past the halfway point in a, in a practice <laughs> in a practicing examine cohort that's meeting this fall and planning another one for early 2023. Um, and there are some other topics in consideration for offering some other cohorts next year. And near the top of that list is actually a, a cohort for people who are going to be planning for and may, maybe in the midst of doing a sabbatical. And so that's part of why this conversation was appealing to me. So I would love it if you would be interested if you would go to formationcohorts.com, and there you can sign up to be on my interest list you can see some of the other topics I have in the works both for long term or short term consideration and if there's a topic that's especially interesting to you if you could let me know and based on interest I might move some of those up on the list. But, but either way, I, that's something I've been really excited about, been really life giving for me and just been getting some great feedback from the people who are a part of it. So again, you can find that on my website, um, or you can go directly to that page by going to formationcohorts.com. Thanks again for listening. And here we are with my good friend, Waylon Lee. All right. Well, Waylon, it's really good to see you. And let's, uh, let's just get into this. Why don't you tell us about your ministry tell us about the context of your sacred work
1: yeah sure well thanks john for having me on with you uh, it's good to reconnect um you know part of what i guess my sacred work is i'm, I'm one of the uh, pastors uh, of a church called Vox Benier. Um we're out in east austin uh, we planted back in 2006 uh, so it's been a stretch yeah and you know when we first started it actually came out of a uh, a college ministry, which was part of a Chinese immigrant um, church community uh, in the north suburbs of Austin, and you know, similar to many of us who who kind of grew up probably in a more rule based fundamentalist you know kind of context. That was a lot of what I grew up in, and, and most you know Chinese immigrant churches um, experienced. And so, you know, our, our hope, our, our dream, if you will, was we were trying to you know create and offer um a space you know a church where there there could be this bridge you know between the gap of what many of our peers um, found where they were disillusioned or even hurt you yeah. know experienced a lot of pain just the ist- institution of church and just that bridge between you know well there's also this this person of jesus and just the teachings the life he embodied and uh, just trying to bridge that gap a little bit. So that was our attempt. You know, we're trying to, you know, form something that would be meaningful for our peers um, and for many people that we noticed were, were leaving uh, the church. Uh, so that was, that was 2006.
0: Yeah. 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 One, one of the things I always noticed, and I guess I, this might be all context is I've had a lot of contact with Vox. You know, I, we did things together. I preached there some when when I was in Austin. but even as you tell that backstory, um, I think one of the things I always appreciated is even though it was apparent to me, and maybe this is just from talking to you guys but even though it was apparent there was some of that being defined by what we moved on from or what we left that never felt like they, it never felt like it was just a reaction to that. I'd always felt like there was a lot of hope and i always really appreciated that being around vox
1: Mm, well i'm grateful that you you share that sentiment and and kind of what you felt i mean there were definitely times i think where we were reactionary (laughs) Um, and still are and still are yeah um and maybe you know maybe even to a certain degree where it was unhealthy um and and uh, and i think we did hope we did have this hope like we had this sort of dream Um, That there could be something that, you know, that God could kind of rebirth uh, just through, you know, this ragtag, you know, team of young, sort of almost naive (laughs) um, pastors that were trying to do something different.
0: Because you're a young man now. So in 2006, you would have been a really young man.
1: Yeah, I think I was in middle school back then. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
0: So uh, all that said, then, what is, tell us about then what your role is within the community or maybe... Maybe historically, what it has been, but certainly what it is now.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, officially, you know, my title is, you know, Pastor of Formation um, and uh, Administration. So, most of my, you know, time with Fox has been in those two areas, those two spaces of, you know, formation, kind of our small group ministries, um, and then administration, you know, a lot of just the organizational components. Um, You know, my background originally actually, you know, I had an engineering background in college and out of college, I did some technology consulting for, you know, almost seven years or so. Um, So, a lot of that experience and and backdrop was also um, kind of formative for just bringing in some of like the systems aspects of Mm, what that meant for an organization, for a community, for a church. Um, So, that was probably predominantly where I focused a lot of my energy initially, especially when we planted the church, there was a lot of that sort of just organizational uh, component. Um, And that's where most of my giftings and my strengths uh, were. And most of my energy went towards that. Um, You know, I would say now, you know, it's evolved, obviously over the last 15, 16 years, Um, you know, still, you know, still overseeing a lot of our formation um, uh, as well as some teaching, um, mm-hmm. teaching, preaching, um, and more recently, just really leaning into the pastoral care component um, just for our community, especially with what's you know transpired yes. the last yeah. few years with pandemic and, and everything else.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I normally the next question I would ask, and I'm going to alter it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but normally the next question I would ask is what role does partnering with God play in your work? And where I'm going to alter that is, you know, I think it's interesting that there's a little bit of a, not a discrepancy, but there's a little bit of a tension between those two roles. Because on the one hand, this role of administration is very, like, day-to-day, hands-on, practical, nuts and bolts, get stuff done. And then this spiritual formation piece is, I mean, certainly there's practical elements to that, but it's very much a more, like, um Leaning more into mystery, leaning more into like, what's the work of the spirit, both in the lives of people in our church and in the life of our, our community. So how has, how, how those twin focuses helped you, you know, in the work that you do? Or maybe, maybe been an ongoing tension. I don't know. However you want to name that.
1: Yeah. No, I appreciate that question because I've, I've actually never sat to reflect on that, you know, sort of not quite opposing um forces, but yeah, they are very different. Um and if I'm honest, you know, having that role shaped to be specifically around formation and, and administration was more just an output of, hey, these are the things that we need right now <laughs> as church. a church plan. Yeah. You look like you could do these two things. Why don't you try them out? So that that, you know, um that's kind of how it birthed. Um and I think, you know, if I reflect back on it now, I, I do kind of have this sense of, you know, yes, my leaning was more towards that in administrative operational thing. And in some ways I was trying to apply that layer onto formation. Um, yeah. You know, so even you describing it as they, they seem to be almost different in approach. Um, I think initially I wasn't really taking that into account hmm. um, because formation is a lot more organic it's more mysterious there's more there should be more space uh it's not kind of this um predefined you know you know steps that we follow uh and yet maybe early on i think i might have taken that approach and and try to be formulaic with it um and obviously that's been even my own growth and the community's growth over you know the last 15 years is understanding formation um, kind of exists in that context of of mystery uh, that there isn't and there shouldn't be um, sort of a predefined approach uh, and steps that lead us to becoming more fully formed um, in the image of God. And, and so that's been, I think my experience um, as well over the last um, probably decade is seeing those two as, you know, kind of parallel um, and there might be some times where they cross cross paths, and you sure, can kind yeah, of yeah. rely on each each other to to make those things happen. Um, but for the most part, um, and, and I'll, I'm tipping my hand here, but you know, I'm I'm an Enneagram nine uh, peacemaker, yeah. so I yeah. my whole life has been about holding tension uh, for yeah. you know th- things that yeah. seem to be in in opposition, um, and so that's that's been actually very comfortable for me, even though they might seem. Um, to be, you know, in direct opposition with one another. just being able to hold those both um, and take the good in each, um, and learning how to work with both um, in yeah. those things. So,
0: yeah. well, and I, even within spiritual formation, I think that tension exists. If you set the administration even aside, because there are certainly structures and rhythms and and all that that are repetitive that can be very practical, but if you focus just on that side, you miss out on, you know, I'm a I'm a big fan of the examine, you know, prayer as anybody who listens to this podcast probably knows by now, which is very simply, you know, just five steps to go through. But it's the beauty of those, the repetition of those steps, you know, that the structure is helpful, but at the same time, the structure is not the point. You know, the structure is what opens you up to what the spirit might want to do as you move through those steps. So, I, I, you know, I could, I could see how those, because I, I feel like by the time I, you know, you talked about for the last 10 years, that's really, you know, about the time that I probably would have started crossing paths with you. And mm-hmm. even as I asked that question today, that's never something I considered for you. Like this guy's bridging these tensions. It, it always just seemed natural, like, oh, of course he does administration because he's good at that stuff. But, it's also real apparent, you know, that he's passionate about spiritual formation, and that's coming through. So, yeah. I wonder for for you personally, then, what of your what have your own spiritual rhythms look like to sustain the ministry you do. Like, if you know, if you're if you're pastor of spiritual formation, of course, you have it all figured out already for oh, yourself.
1: For sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's 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 been a, a learning journey um, you know, for me, for the community, uh, what formation, um, kind of looks like, uh, you know, as I was sharing earlier, you know, growing up in a pretty rule-based, you know, fundamentalist context, you know, formation just was, you know, this checklist, right. It was, you know, making sure you, you, you read a certain amount of scripture each day, made sure you said a prayer, made sure you, you know, kind of carried out, um, you know, whatever it was that, your your church ministry was asking you to do, um, and so that that was so embedded uh, yeah. in me uh, and and many of us, um, and you know, you know, I might be taking a side uh, a side journey here, but a lot of what we experienced as a church community early on, too, as a church plant, and realizing that uh, we were burning ourselves out because we were trying to 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 do and not necessarily focus on being. Yeah. And that sort of, um, you know, confrontation really put us in a place where we realized, okay, um, you know, there's this gift of, you know, our, our, our desert, desert fathers and mothers. There's this tradition of contemplation that has existed for centuries and we had never dipped our toes in that ever before. And, you know, when we were, introduced to that. And and when it became apparent that, Oh, you know, there needs to be a a more holistic uh, understanding of, of just our spiritual practices um, that became sort of uh, a a gateway, if you will, to just restoration and and rest. And, you know, what you shared about with examine. I mean, that's a, that's a great example. Um, You know, personally just being, uh, you know, I'm not great at this, but centering prayer has been also very grounding for me. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where when you engage and practice in it, um, you know, it, it, it creates so much space uh, just to be, to listen, um, to be present. Uh, and yet, as as beautiful as it is, it's still so difficult to, to make that a habitual rhythm. Um, so, even for myself, like that's not a consistent rhythm I, I'm able to engage with, although it, you know, I really, really um, find a lot of meaning in it. Um, you know, Lectio has been another practice for me. Mm-hmm. I, that was a big shift, you know, from kind of having an approach of we're going to attack and, and study and break down scripture um, to really just listen um, and let the spirit kind of bring to the surface um, what, you know, these verses are, are, are articulating in this moment, you know, for, for me right now. Uh, so that's been a, a really helpful rhythm for me at a personal level. Um, you know, I'm also, um, as I was sharing, I'm a, a nine on the Instagram, so I'm a body type. And I think it was really helpful for me to, when I came to that understanding of how much just physicality meant for me,
0: yeah.
1: um, that even, you know, I, you know, growing up, those things were separated, right? The body and the spirit are yes. like, two separate things. Um, and for me to almost reintegrate that and, and to actually, find ways to be more embodied. Um, so even like, say a rhythm of, of, of swimming, uh, that's something that I do very hmm. regularly. Yeah. Um, but that's been a rhythm and a practice that I've found to, to really connect me, yeah. um, and ground me. I mean, there's kind of, kind of like we we're talking about earlier with structure. I mean, there's a repetitiveness to it, Yeah. right? So just even the physical sort of repetition of, of swimming laps, um, creates almost that space then, uh, for me to almost be present and, and to, and to listen and to actually, um, you know, observe maybe what, what God's kind of revealing. So that's actually been a, a, an interesting rhythm that I've d- right. discovered over the is years. Is
0: that, I was going to say, is that new? I don't know that I knew you were a swimmer when I lived in Austin.
1: Yeah. Oh, I grew up actually, you know, as a child on the swim team. Huh. Um, you know, I never ended up, you know, making anything of it as a competitive swimmer, but, it's always been just one of those, you know, exercises and one of those things I just really enjoy. Yeah. Um, and I, and I make an intention to, to find outdoor pools. Um, Cause again, I think just that that there's also that connection with nature yeah. and just being outdoors as well. That's, that's a very sort of grounding uh, component of it as, as well. Yeah. Uh,
0: I wonder, so there's been a lot of conversations on this podcast as I ask this question and talk about rhythms there's been a lot of conversations about walking nature Mm -hmm. hikes or something like that. And I liken this to that except for one thing, which is, and and so, you know, what stood out is people just talking about the way it requires you to slow down, the way it requires you to, well, it's good to physically engage your body, but there's also been that element that's come up a few times of attentiveness that when you're out walking and the pace of it, you're more attentive because you you take the time to see what's going on around you. You see birds, you see you know, whatever's going on. Which that wouldn't I'm not a swimmer. <laughs> okay. So but in my mind, like that wouldn't be the same in swimming because you're not taking in, at least as I would expect, you're not taking in what's around you. So I wonder what what kind of attentiveness, perhaps, gets cultivated? You think in swimming that I might not be able to relate to in the same way I can relate when somebody's talking about walking.
1: <laughs> no, that I mean that's a that's a fair observation. Um, yeah, there's only so much um, of the the bottom of the pool that I can be attentive to. Yeah, right. Um, but but what I found actually is you know similar to say the practice of centering prayer, what what en- ends up happening is. Um, it just removes, it kind of removes distraction. Like I'm, I'm in this continual rhythm. I'm in a pool, which also just from kind of acoustic thing, like I'm, you know, sound is now blocked out as well. Um, so that actually, what I found is that actually makes me much more attentive to like my internal, my interior, um, I'm, I'm much more in my head um in a good way, uh where I'm not kind of distracted and and kind of looking here, looking there, listening to list, listening to this or listening to that. Um so for me what I've found sort of offers that structural piece is that it removes uh, a lot of the distractions that I normally would be um tempted to
0: engage. Even interior distractions, you mean?
1: Yeah. I yeah. think it takes it takes it takes a moment, right? Yeah. Um and again, I go back to like what's what's been helpful is as as I've engaged centering prayer. That's helped sort of yeah. as I'm in that space in the pool. Um, yes, you can still kind have that you know your mind racing, or you can have you know thoughts yes. racing. Um, but just the just the I don't know. It's just the physicality of being in water too. There's something about it that um, kind of puts those things at ease. It's kind of that image. You know, I, I remember I was, when I was being taught. Centering Prayer, like there's that image of, well, you may have a thought kind of pass, pass you by in a boat, you know, you're in the river, yes. but you just kind yeah. of just, you know, put that off to the side, right? And it's kind of, so being in that water almost is like that physical reminder to be like, I'm just in this stream um, and, and just being able to kind of, yes, allow whatever thoughts to come through and, and pass. Um, so, but, you know, I'll engage in different ways. I'm not always in, in the pool, just in that you know, right, right. Zen space. But it, it does offer things that I hadn't considered before, um, which I, I found to be pretty rewarding.
0: So so you're that guy that gets up at 5 a.m. every morning and goes to the pool?
1: I do not. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. more my my lunch break. <laughs> so fair, fair. I wait till it's well into the day.
0: <laughs> All right, fair enough. It, excuse me. It, it was interesting that you were talking about even Vox took a turn towards that more uh, contemplative because I, I remember the first time I preached at Vox many, many years ago um, was a different experience from all the other times I preached at Vox. And I think it was somewhere in that transition because the first time I preached at Vox, you know, the the culture of Austin is obviously just always going all the time. You have your job and your side hustle. You work hard, you play hard. Um you know, entrepreneurial culture, big play, all those things are going on on in Austin. And so, so many churches, I think, you know, try to match that. And I would almost characterize my first time at Vox was Vox was leaning into that side of Austin, you know, while I'm preaching, Mm -hmm. somebody completes an entire painting next to me. It was, of course, amazing because there's so much creativity and, you know, but yeah. And then the next time I come back it was really and this it was I think a couple of years passed but the next time I come back it was very different there was so much space there was so much silence where it felt like no what does it mean actually for us to almost be a counter and have this 2 hours be a counter to what we're all experiencing the rest of the time in life mm. and that you know that there was even a shared contemplativeness I think that's a word sure. that, that I just always found really refreshing. Um, and I, I just feel like that's, even as I talk to you, I'm reminded of that. But I always felt like you characterized that um, pretty well personally. Mm-hmm. When, when I first reached out to you about this podcast, it was last spring. I said, hey, come be on my podcast. And you said, no, I'm going on sabbatical. So I would love to talk about sabbatical okay. because I know this is your, at least your second. Is it your third or your second?
1: Yeah this this was my second one. Yeah,
0: Yeah. because because probably your first one came at a time when Vox was actually learning the importance of such things and would not have included (laughs) prior. So uh, I assume that first one was that seven years ago. Uh, It was
1: so it was eight only because seven would have been last summer and last summer was not ideal for a sabbatical. A lot of.
0: Post COVID and church change going yeah. on and stuff like that. So, yeah. I'd love I'd love to hear about. Like I told you before we recorded, we haven't talked about sabbaticals on mm. this podcast, and I would love to hear just your reflections on what you've learned and what has been valuable in sabbaticals. Mm-hmm. Maybe what you did different the second time that you didn't do the first because you learned along the way. So I just leave you the floor. Talk about mm. sabbaticals.
1: Mm. <laughs> Well, if you make me talk about them, I'm, I'm going to want to go back on one. <laughs> Fair. Um, yeah, I mean, so so the first sabbatical I took uh, was, was eight years ago. Um, and like you said, I think, you know, as a church community, we were, uh, at that stage, we were kind of had moved and, and kind of pivoted to, to become a little more intentional about um, contemplative spaces, about, Rest about um you know not being uh, overly um, extending ourselves and so that felt you know it it felt like the right time it was you know we uh, at the time we were we were running a community center space 12 uh, on top of uh, the church community that we were um, pastoring and so probably that first experience um was purely out of just physical exhaustion, um, and having, you know, leading up to that, you know, essentially running two startups, uh, you know, for for seven years to that point, um, just wasn't sustainable, um, and so just the sheer physical exhaustion, um, what that that was the space that was necessary. Hmm. Um, you know, I
0: were you aware of that?
1: So i th- I don't think so you yeah. know I think at that at that age um you know i, I thought I had an endless supply of energy yeah um, and at that age we'd also recover quicker um so even if we had uh, an intense weekend or an intense season even um you know physically our bodies just recovered quicker um and so it wasn't really given much thought as far as you know what was sustainable or um, were we actually, you know, considering our, our physical bodies, our emotional state, um, you know, on top of our, our spiritual condition? So, um, yeah, I, I would say that that first go around, um, uh, you know, aside from just, hey, we need some rest, I, I don't know if there was much intentionality intentionality beyond that, Um even in that first sabbatical, um, I remember I had set aside that first month cause it was during the summer. I had set set aside the first month, um, to take, uh, a, a seminary class uh, up in Chicago. Um, so I essentially went, you know, right after that last Sunday before sabbatical. And then literally that next week I was up in Chicago taking intensives, you know, yeah. for, for that first month.
0: I remember this. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, and you know, we did do a family trip, which you know was amazing. We we did a a road trip all the way up to Maine, um, and then we just traversed the entire East Coast for for about a month, just driving around. Um, and at that time, you know, my kids were very young. Um, my youngest, um, I think, at that time was probably three, and you know i think it was uh, even in even in that season you know i don't think i i really was intentional to be like oh yeah we we need to kind of re- rebuild some some family connection or we need to give some space to um tend to some of the things maybe that uh you know were neglected uh, over the last you know 6 7 years with family um having said that i mean we still had uh, an amazing time being together as a family uh, and, and with young kids, it also, you know, that still requires energy. Um, it wasn't like a complete break from that either. Um, we had three three kids. Um, and so, um, yeah, coming back from that first sabbatical, it was interesting because, like I said, I think at that age, you just recover quicker. Yeah. And so, even though I didn't necessarily, you know, establish almost a forced break if you will i mean i was still taking classes we were still you know raising kids um i came back after that those three months and it was almost like oh i feel recharged i'm ready to go right it was like that was a kind of a nice little vacation and i'm 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 ready to to jump right back in and and kind of hit the floor running and 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 not really considering okay this was an opportunity for me to maybe consider doing things differently when I came Hmm. back, right? It was an an opportunity for me to consider those things, but I don't think I was intentional enough to to consider that. Um, I I was given a gift, though, when I came back from that sabbatical in that the leadership team had decided to hire um, a part-time administrator while I was gone. Um, And so, I mean, that was a gift for me because that, in in some ways, it almost forced me – to, to change my patterns, um, that no Waylon you, you should not, you know, operate at this level, um, at this capacity. Um, and we're going to kind of, you know, make that decision for you. Like yeah. when you come back, we're going to offload some of those things that huh. you have been carrying. Um, so I, like I said, that was a gift because I don't, I wouldn't have come back and said, you know what, I, I should consider, You know, my load. I should consider how this might be dispersed. And maybe I'll ask, you know, the leadership team if this is something they could help with. Um, That didn't necessarily cross my mind, but it was something that they had been very intentional to think about, which I'm grateful for. Um, So, you know, fast forward um, to this most recent sabbatical. Um, I, you know, eight years is a long time. Um, And, obviously i've i've learned a lot more just about you know my myself um done a lot of interior work you know did a lot of, we we learned about the enneagram in that time
0: yeah
1: um you know in 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 we just we became more invested in, in contemplative practices and yeah you know, i i had much uh more of an intentionality approaching this this past sabbatical um and part of it too uh, you know, we were chatting earlier, but part of it too, we we had experienced some major staff transitions um, on top of the pandemic. And so, you know, one of our founding pastors left, and then another of our pastors also um, left, the, left the community. So, um, you know, there was this sense of, yes, you know, I was probably in survival mode for uh, those couple of years. Um, and I also knew – that I didn't have the sustainability um, to navigate that, um, you know, uh, without end either. Um, And so, you know, what what I found interesting that first week of um, my my most recent sabbatical, um, my body was communicating to me. Hmm. And I I, I knew from what I've learned, uh, especially the last, you know, five years or so, uh, that I've been trying to be more intentional to listen um, to my body. Um, there was actually an incident um, probably, I want to say, f- five to six years ago where I actually came down with shingles. Hmm. And, you know, I went to my doctor. We didn't know what shingles yet, but my, I went to my doctor and cuz i was starting to get some blisters around my eye and, and he immediately saw it and he's like oh no those, those those are shingles and he asked me the question he asked um hey yeah have you been under a lot of stress recently and my my initial answer was no not really <laughs> <laughs> and i and was like I, I couldn't imagine no not really and and my wife actually had brought me to to the doctor and she was sitting right there and she kind of gave me this look like are you kidding me <laughs> it's like you're 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 full time pastor you're also doing full time seminary and you're raising you know three young kids um and so she kind of spoke on my behalf and and kind of laid it all out for the doctor and the doctor's like yeah you you are experiencing quite a bit of stress <laughs> and that was the first time for me to realize oh i I need to listen to my body um and when I don't, my body will let me know pretty clearly and and shingles was it's kind of been, been a recurring image for me uh, yeah. over the last five, seven years to be reminded, um, just to, I need to be in tune, uh, with, with where I am. Uh, and my physical body is, is a very good communicator of that. And, and so, you know, that first week of, of this most recent sabbatical, you know, my, my body was just in a state of, um, I don't even know the right word, but, you know, definitely overwhelmed. Hmm. Um, and and I, you know, I, I wasn't able to respond to um like it, there just was no capacity. Um and, and in my mind I was imagining, oh man, that first week of sabbatical is gonna be amazing. You know, uh I can finally just you know take a step back. There was no grad school intensive. No, no, no intensives this time. You know, take a breath. And it was this as if my body was telling me, yeah. You, you need, you need nothing. Um, it, it couldn't actually handle much beyond um, just getting around the house, walking
0: around. I mean, already. what did that look like? Did you, did you just crash? Were you,
1: was it, it was. hard to be at? Like, it, could you not was. swim? Like, yeah, it, it was. And you know, what was interesting, um, we, my wife and I had made a decision um, this time around our, our very first sabbatical, we made a family decision that we weren't going to connect with anyone in the community. Just we needed to be, you know, kind of on our own, kind of, you know, away from that. Um, this time around though, we made a decision that that also didn't feel very life-giving, mm-hmm. especially coming out of a pandemic. You know, most of our kids are older now. They didn't want to be just, you know, completely disconnected from the community. So um it was, it was decided that, you know, just I would be disconnected and the rest of my family could still kind of connect with those in the community. Hmm. And there were a couple of times during that first week where they were still kind of having some people over and I I wasn't, you know, present for that. But just the fact that I knew that was happening, my body body was overwhelmed. Um, And and it it got really uh, just not uncomfortable in, in a negative sense, but it just didn't know what to do with that. Like, it, it almost i needed to physically be as far away in order to to actually fully rest and so you know i'm grateful we did have an opportunity my my wife's um sister her family lives in australia and so we actually spent about 6 weeks in australia hmm. um physically almost the farthest place we could be uh, yeah. from austin yeah um and and it was in that physical space in that distance where I could actually finally um, kind of settle in um, and and not necessarily have my body carry any of sort of the weight and the burden that it had been carrying for so long. Um, And so, yeah, all to say like this, you know, I'm grateful this time around, I was very intentional to essentially not have anything um, as far as like action or you know, things I needed to take care of. Um, I was very intentional just to leave it almost like an empty slate. Um, And and it was more because I had an awareness that I just physically needed and emotionally needed um, rest. And I wouldn't be able to rest um, if I still had, you know, kind of, even if they were indirect connections still, you know, tethering me uh, and pulling me back. Um yeah and and so you know one of the things that um surfaced for me uh, as I was coming back from this second sabbatical uh, was interesting because, like I said that first time i didn't I wasn't very intentional in how I was gonna re-enter um this second um sabbatical though uh, an image that kept coming up for me during the three months um you know we had just hired a new pastor that joined our team last December. And, you know, it was such a joy to watch him sort of learn about our community. You know, he was just um, trying to understand who we are, trying to understand those in our community. And that image kind of stuck with me because I think what surfaced for me during the, the, the sabbatical was this was an invitation to re- reset some, some patterns and to reset uh, even um, my posture of how I was gonna re-enter uh, Vox. And so I took that with me. I said, you know what? I- I'm gonna re-enter uh, with this posture of a new hire. Like huh. I, wanna, I wanna go back to Austin, I wanna go yeah. back to Vox and almost treat it as if this is like, I'm, I'm the new guy and I, and I wanna learn about this community Um, things that have been done before, even though they've been a certain way for maybe 10 years that they don't need to necessarily be that way. Um, and that was such a gift, uh, for me, um, because having that, you know, having that image, having that posture really, um, allowed me to experience a little bit more freedom in how I was returning, um, that I wasn't forced to yeah. you know, stay within certain expectations or um, just because things have always been done a certain way. Um, so, I, I actually shared that. I shared that with um, our leadership team. I shared that with uh, our members. Um, I think when I, I, the first time I preached, I, I kind of shared that vision as well. As well. Um, and so, it's funny because now my, my new nickname is the new guy. Like, I'm the new guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know that I think that piece for me is is what really, for me, what sabbatical kind of, um, what what it means to me. Like it, you know, it's just that reset. It's that almost invitation to reconsider. Hmm. It, it offers that space to reexamine in ways that normally, uh, I know I wouldn't be able to do, and especially in the context of if you're pastoring a community you don't, you aren't giving, you aren't given that many opportunities to actually pull back, to have perspective and to kind of examine some of those opportunities to to reset. Yeah. Um, and so that was my experience, at least this, the second time around was uh, being given that invitation, which was beautiful because, um, yeah, uh, I mean, coming back, it, it, it hasn't felt, um, as heavy like i did i definitely didn't come back with that same energy after the first sabbatical i wasn't like i'm ready to go let's do this right it was much more um you know cognizant of of just what is sustainable um pastoring look like um i'm i'm not the same age i was you know when we first planted when i had my first sabbatical um and, and so though i think that sort of perspective gives me an opportunity to, uh, to really examine, um, you know, how much of it is really my work to do, which I think I carry that a lot. My early years, I was like, how are they going to get on without me? Like I'm going to be gone for three months, (laughs) you know, they they need me, you know, and to shift away from that to almost, um, no, this community actually is more than capable. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that, those are some initial thoughts. That's, I mean, that's learning. great. Yeah. That
0: that whole idea of the, the, the disparity between your different ways of coming back, like that first time, you know, I'm just going to come back and hit the ground running and pick up right where I left off. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that perspective, but I love this perspective, you know, of coming back this time because it's like, I mean the the phrase that came through my head when you said that you said new hire, and what came to me is the word new creation, or the phrase new creation, or you know, to put it this way, recreation. You know, recreation is recreation because, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, what what an opportunity to come in, and if if God is always doing the work of new creation around us all the time, and we don't see it because we're so embedded in what we're doing, but to be able to have that opportunity to come back and say, I'm just going to see this as this totally new thing and look at it with fresh eyes. That seems really meaningful. I remember when I came back from my sabbatical, you know, at the the last couple of weeks, I was actually dreading coming back a bit because I had all this expectation that I'd placed on myself of Mm -hmm. what I've got to come back, like clear and ready to go and fired up. And I just wasn't feeling that and I was trying to force it. And I still felt that even as I came back. And then I went, I went to lunch my first week back with, you know, one of the former pastors you described, you ever mentioned that you used to work with who he had also been on sabbatical (laughs) and he told, Mm -hmm. and I told him I was feeling that I said, Oh yeah, you can't, you can't have that expectation because you've been, you know, it's, it's fully rest. Like you don't start to expect to get all that until you come back. And, it made a lot of sense in hindsight, but it sure wasn't the expectation I had. But you're you're totally separated. You're apart. You know, there's, mm-hmm. no, there's no friction there. And being able to come back and just say, I'm coming in totally open-handed, open-minded, open-hearted, mm-hmm. that, that makes a lot of sense. So, have you noticed the difference? Like how – well, I'm sure you've noticed the difference, but in what ways have you noticed the difference?
1: Yeah, I mean, that, you know, that open-handedness coming back – um in some ways was a gift uh, for me. Um, and and it, it's the, it, I don't know if this is humorous, um, you know, but God definitely um, ha, has God's way of, you know, preparing. And you know, when I first came back, I found out that um, our children's director had kind of transitioned, because um, she found she found this dream job teaching at her kids' school, which is amazing, and I'm glad she yeah. has that opportunity. And then one of our other pastors um also communicated that they were going to be transitioning out at the end of of this year. So, all to say, if I hadn't, if I had come back from sabbatical with almost this already predetermined expectation of yes. yeah, like things are going to be how they were when when I left, and we're just going to pick up right where we left off, that that would have been a very heavy. Uh, burden to have encountered and engaged. Um, and so, for me to come back though with almost this new set of eyes and this um, open-handedness, it, that, that you know, as challenging as those transitions are, it also didn't land as heavy yeah. I think, as it could have. yeah. Um, and so, so, in a lot of ways, that was really a gift. I, I mean, I can't imagine coming back <laughs> in in, you know, the way I came back from the first sabbatical, and navigating what we are now um and so yeah I, that's been very noticeable for me i i can even you know appreciate just hearing folks in our community just reflecting back that back to me actually like they know they can see just something even visually reflected in like what's being embodied for me yeah like it's noticeable um and for folks to even kind of reflect that back to me saying that they they sense sort of this likeness within me or they they can kind of see me with sort of this renewed sense of, uh, of being. Um, it, it's, you know, it's kind of affirming um, to know that that's been uh, a really meaningful way to reenter this space.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, that's good. Um, I mean, one of the questions I like to ask that I feel like you already answered was, how do you know when you're not doing well? And I love the awareness that you talked about, like, what well, my body tells me. Um, yeah. You, you also made a comment, though, that Um, I picked up on and jotted down here because you said you've done a lot of interior work. Um, I wonder how you would describe what that has looked like. What has that been? What do you, you, and I know it seems like an obvious question, but I think it's worth asking. Like when you say I've done a lot of interior work, what does that process look like over the years?
1: Yeah, I I think, you know, where that comes from is, 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 you know, we talk about sort of the model of, you know, people use different language but kind of the false self and the true self and, you know, that exterior level and that interior level. And, and part of it is recognizing how much of, you know, what I and, and many of us put, put forward is typically that exter- exterior, you know, shell. Um, and just asking a lot of questions around, you know, Why? Right? Why, why do I have a need to put something out that is not either congruent with who I really am or, you know, not reflecting who I am? And even at, I think a deeper level, not even truly understanding who I am, right? I yeah. think that's been my work too. Um, and so many levels, like I, I would say even in the last couple of years, what I've had to come to reckon with is just even my own racial and ethnic identity. Hmm. And that's, that's been, um, that's taken a lot of my energy the last couple of years, uh, especially, you know, when, when, you know, the black lives matter movement, you mm-hmm. know, began. And then just with all the, the racial injustice, um, that we've been trying to name and trying to, you know, um, advocate for over the last couple of years. And specifically, even, uh, unfortunately feeling kind of the, you know the brunt of some of um, the Asian, um, you know, racism that um, hmm. out of COVID, and and so that part has taken some serious work for me because growing up, um, you know, as an Asian American, second generation Chinese American, I've 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 had to come to just acknowledge how much um, I had wanted to essentially assimilate and be white. Mm. Um, and that was my whole childhood. That was most of my upbringing. That was even even today, I think. That's just the reality of how ingrained sort of white supremacy is that even for me as an Asian American, that I have a preference for white culture or to be white or to blend in, um, to even be kind of given the name, you know, Chinese Americans given the name of honor, honorary whites, like that. that's pretty telling. Um, and so I think all to say, like those components of the interior work, like with identity, um, with just, you know, who we are in God's image. Right. And, and, and actually making space to uncover some of the things that maybe I've either chosen not to, um, reflect on or chosen not to face. Um, I think that's what I mean by having, you know, yeah. been intentional about doing interior work the last, you know, five, seven years. Um, and again, you know, Enneagram has been a big part of that too. Um, you know, I think when we first were introduced to it and start exploring it, of course, it's always just like, oh, fun, we have to do this personality thing. Oh, ha, You're right. oh, you're a three, ha, you know, it's like, and I think as we've grown into it, though, we've discovered, no, there's so much more about just acknowledging who we are and, and for our gifts and our shadows, right? Um, and being able to actually not shy away from, you know, some of the the, the patterns that we tend to default to. Um, and so, that's been my growth too. You know, as I shared earlier, like I'm a nine on the Enneagram. And so, just the patterns for me to consistently be non-confrontational or, you know, to be deferential, um, like that has taken – Um, some work to realize
0: especially the way pardon me for saying this (laughs) especially the way that overlaps with some of the cultural overtones you just talked about yeah
1: yeah i've got the double whammy (laughs) you know and so that's been a lot for me to to kind of lean into to understand no like don't stifle your own voice or don't you know think that you have nothing valuable to offer um and so, that's been kind of my work of, of, of understanding, growing, you know, learning, you know, how God has made me. Um, yeah. So, th- those are some of the things yeah. that comes to the interior work.
0: That's great. I, I feel like that whole concept of true self, false self is one of the most important um, concepts that for me remains unexplored personally and on a, like as a spiritual director on a professional level, like. We talked about that a lot in spiritual direction training, and I just feel like that is that is an untapped conversation in a lot of in a lot of church circles and a lot of spiritual formation circles. Yeah. I think there's a lot to that, so I appreciate you naming that.
1: Yeah
0: one one final question, mm-hmm. the, the fun one. Um, who do you hope to be in ten years? Ooh. Fun for me, maybe not fun for you, but it's a fun one.
1: <laughs> I, um what I hope to be I mean I I hope to at least be active (laughs) that my body hasn't you know completely deteriorated on me um you know it's funny because yeah I've been I've actually had to sign up for this um this program this health program to to help my back because Mm -hmm. I've been throwing out my back so much (laughs) um but you know I if I think about like 10 years from now like I I honestly, I just hope that I can be someone who's continually learning about myself. Yeah. Um, That's not at a point where, like, you know, that that growth is continual. I I just really hope that I'm still open to the growth, even though it sometimes is not fun and it can be difficult and challenging, that I could be someone that's still, you know, even 10 years, 15 years from now, is still open um, to the growth and the work that needs to be done. Um yeah, yeah. And, and and like I was sharing before, like I, I really do hope that I can be someone that that values my own voice um and, and be comfortable with that like I've always been really uncomfortable with you know, being kind of um, either put up front or like, you know, oh wait and you have something to say I'm like, no, I don't, um, and I, I just I hope in ten years I can at least not in a way that's like I need a megaphone, right. but you know, in a way that, no, there's, you know, there's something that's, that's a value that, that can be, you know, a gift to others. And so I would hope that, 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 that's someone I could be. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think you're already on a good track for that. You know, I'll I'll take this out if you want me to, but right before I started recording, you said uh, something along the lines of, I hope this goes well. This is my first podcast. First time being a podcast guest, I think. And, that even shows like a little bit of what you're talking about, but so much wisdom here today, so much. And I'm I'm thankful that you uh, use your voice because you have a lot of really helpful things to say. So thank mm-hmm. you so much for uh, showing up and offering that to all of us. Well,
1: appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for entrusting me with that.
0: Yep. Yeah. Good to see your face. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And again, if you're interested in those cohorts or spiritual direction, you can find me at consortioday.com. Link is in the show notes here. And of course, I would love it if you would take a few moments, if you're finding this helpful, to maybe share it with some other people or go on to iTunes or Spotify or whatever your podcast listening is of choice and leave a review there. Thanks so much.